Welcome to True Nature Radio. I'm Lori Regan. And I'm Heiner Furhoff. Today, Heiner and I have decided to talk about iatrogenic disease. What is different about natural medicine that lets us not have this big problem, the problem that we have in this country where a lot of people get sick because of the side effects of the treatments that they're getting, whether it's in the hospital or whether it's from a doctor. First, we want to remind you um, to go to iTunes and please leave your comments there. We're trying to move up in the hot picks list. It'll really help us out a lot if you make some comments on iTunes. Anyway, Heiner, why don't you introduce us to this subject talking about iatrogenic disease? Yeah, iatrogenic disease is a little bit of an awkward term, uh, not very well known to mo- many people. However, as healthcare is really the biggest sector of our economy and affects all of us in our everyday life, uh, it uh, is very much of a reality for for every single one of us that cause of death, acknowledged cause of death number three in this country, right behind heart disease and cancer is this so-called iatrogenic disease, which means basically uh, illness or death by a modern medical procedure. Yeah, so you're not even talking here necessarily about unfortunate mistakes that were made, right? You're talking about the whole big picture. Some people die because even when they're given the treatment that is the standardized care, the standard of care, they still have an adverse reaction to, for example, the drug that they're given. The term iatrogenic disease includes phenomena uh, like uh, that point out to us that going to a hospital is indeed uh, quite one of the most dangerous places you could go to. You could get an infection, you could get uh, something prescribed wrongly because people who work there are often overtired with long shifts, but exactly that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, because we want to bring it back to something that where we actually know what we're talking about, namely what does that mean for alternative medicine or how can the foundational philosophy, at least, of alternative medicine help us to maybe uh, ameliorate this problem, uh, which is that even if drugs are prescribed correctly according to modern parameters, that very often, unexpectedly, there are side effects or anaphylactic shock, allergic reaction that make the person extremely uncomfortable or even can cause death and in fairly high numbers in the hundreds of thousands every year. Right. So Western medicine, just like natural medicine, has been saying forever that treatments need to be individualized for each patient. You really need to know what's going on with them. You hear that discussion happening in a very prominent way in Western medicine now as well. But it's going in the direction, and it's going in the direction of fine-tuning the delivery of drugs to very specific targets. So knowing exactly where the target is and making sure that the drug that you're delivering is getting to that target specifically and ideally only to that target. Yeah, Laurie, you nailed the, uh, the issue on the head here is that from our perspective, from the holistic medicine perspective, the issue of so-called iatrogenic disease and discomfort and side effects and even deaths coming through modern medicine 
come primarily from the philosophical assumption that if you <clears throat> identify certain uh, characteristics of a disease in the laboratory and then develop a drug for that illness, and then you administer it to thousands or tens of thousands of people, regardless of what symptoms they have, um, then you will get the side effects because it is not individualized treatments. The prerogative of holistic medicine is always do no harm, which cannot happen because even herbs and alternative treatments can be harmful if not applied correctly. But the, 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 the uh, effectiveness of alternative medicine and the safety thereof depends on proper administration, which means individual prescribing. And I think this is the, the issue uh, when you just focus on the structure of the body and the molecular research and you diagnose diseases rather than symptom patterns, as we call them in holistic medicine, then the potential for side effects is great. Yeah, I'm going to take it a little bit farther on the side of the drugs, if that's okay, which is to say science has developed really brilliant advances in um, being able to understand the specific molecular structure. So we can tell now more and more not just a certain kind of receptor, but there's a, a subtype that can be identified by looking at your the individual's genetic structure. So you can look and see, oh, this person has this type of that receptor, and therefore this specific form of the drug is the one that's going to work the best for them. So there's an advance that hopefully actually will decrease the number of side effects that people are having from drugs. But our point here is that if you're only looking at the molecular structure, and even if we become even more uh, thorough in our understanding of that, that's still functioning at, uh, at a level that doesn't include the whole dynamic system. We can become very brilliant at understanding a single receptor and what that looks like in an individual, but think about all the different receptors, all the different molecules, all the different structures that comprise both the cell, what's in the cell, and what's outside of the cell. The extracellular matrix is also very complex. So to actually be able to drugs that create optimal functioning within that whole dynamic system to truly optimize the health of the individual is something that I don't think anybody could say is, is within reach within many, many decades. Precisely, and... Uh... While Western medicine is acknowledging uh, and taking that problem uh, of uh, iatrogenic disease heads on because there's so many lawsuits because of that, because the numbers are simply overwhelming. So it is definitely not something that is being shoved underneath the rug. And while in the research arm of Chinese medicine, philosophically, the limitations of prescribing uh, according to illnesses, that model, have been recognized and therefore these um, uh, advances are being made right now. But as you point out, it will take a long time uh, and uh, questionable whether that is happening in our lifetime. 
before the consumer can reap the benefit of a kinder and gentler medicine that comes from a very individualized approach, which is already present in the uh, more traditional versions of holistic medicine right now. Yeah, and another example of that is um, to look at what's happened with antibiotics. We know now that we're in a we're in pretty dire straits. Actually, we're approaching a point of really serious uh, situation in the world where the overuse of antibiotics has led to many, many, many antibiotic-resistant strains of bacteria. It's not only the the drugs that are given to patients, but it's what ends up in the ecosystem, either because they pass through patients or because they've you know they're the byproducts of what's been produced in industry and they're released and they end up in the ecosystem. So we have a situation now where most pharmaceutical companies are know that it's no longer productive to even keep developing new forms of antibiotics because the bacteria themselves have wisdom and have mechanisms for being able to to um, change in a way that they're no longer susceptible to the action of the antibiotics. So I, I heard a discussion on NPR the other day about antivirals, and it didn't address this question. So we have a tendency, I think, in Western science to really believe in the power of the scientific advances, which are true. There, there are great scientific advances, but if they're not looked at within the big picture, if they're not looked at from a framework that includes not simply the structural level of reality, but as Heiner has been introducing, if they look at, they have to also look at the bigger um, picture. So you need to consider the structure, but you also need to consider the energetics. Can you talk more about that, Heiner? Well, Laurie, you put your finger on something that's very important here because it all comes down in how do we look at nature and how does this view then informs our models of medicine. Like you just mentioned that the problem with the antibiotics is because we're developing a drug that is killing a certain bacteria in a lab dish and is supposed to do the same thing in a human being, but after a while there is no uh, procedure there. It doesn't take into consideration that the bacteria is not a dead piece of metal, for instance, that is just being swept out or neutralized, but that it's a living organism and it will react. So ancient systems of holistic thinking, they might be metaphorical, they might not be that precise, but they capture and work with in their very philosophy of thinking of how nature is dynamic and how it changes. And starting in China with the Yijing, the Book of Change, it focuses on how, not on things, but on how things change. So it's a process-oriented and function-oriented, energy-oriented type of medicine. And uh, therefore, what is very important um, to speak about Chinese medicine as a model of holistic healing here, when you uh, have a high fever, it's not so important how objectively, how much your fever measures at a 97 degrees or at 100 and 
five and the 105 pay case would because objectively the person is boiling, you pack them in ice. Whereas in Chinese medicine, you would measure the quality of what inflames you uh, through the lens of the symptoms and signs that the patient's body manifests when it's being attacked by such a virus or bacteria. And that means um, if I have 106 and I'm boiling up, but I feel cold, you would actually prescribe, you know, it is a call for the physician to heed that subjective sensation much more than the objectively measured temperature. And you would actually prescribe warming diaphoretic herbs like cinnamon or ginger to uh, uh, open up the surface, the Chinese would say, bring the person to a sweat and then, so to speak, open up the windows and the fever will come down very quickly. While a type of Chinese medicine that is more than inspired by that way of thinking of Western medicine, having postulating a objective approach, you would use heat clearing herbs like something with sugar gypsum, for instance, uh, and uh, clinical experience there is it'll bring the fever down a little bit, but it'll keep coming back. And it'll bring it down again, keep bringing it back. So the clinical results are simply not there with that kind of approach. Right, and it'll keep coming back until the person's system is no longer strong enough to mount that reaction, right? So a key aspect of this is really understanding and respecting the fact that at root of a patient's or, or a person's response to a given medication is not if it's really going to move them in the direction of cure, in the direction of healing, it's not so much about what the direct action of that substance is on the physical structure of their body. It's about the ability of their body and their whole system, their whole being, to react to that substance. And that's what's at the foundation of these natural medicines. Yeah, and Laurie, you are, by training a homeopath, uh, to me always this... A system of pattern differentiation, meaning paying, diagnosing and treating uh, not symptoms, but using symptoms as uh, pointing sticks, as signs for the energetic quality of a disease uh, is very, uh, of course, uh, core in homeopathy. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about how one diagnoses and treats uh, in homeopathy and uh, if you get it right, what might happen? If you get it wrong, what might happen? Sure. Um, so if one of the ways, maybe I can start by explaining how you figure out what a given homeopathic remedy is for, what it will treat. And what you do in that case is make up a dilute concentration of a given substance. For example, um, calcium carbonate, calcarb. You make up this remedy, you make a dilute solution of it, and you give it to a set of people who are pretty healthy. And you have them keep track of how they're feeling, what they, what their symptoms are, or not even necessarily symptoms, but what are they feeling day to day? What kinds of dreams are they having? What are, how are they feeling physically? What kinds of foods are they liking? Just, you know, what's their nature that distinguishes them from someone else? When they then take the substance, you have them keep track of what changes. 
and you don't have them talk to each other because you want them to really be paying attention to what happens within them and not taking on symptoms because somebody else told them. But you have them do that for a period of time, and then you get them all together, and then you see what changed and you see what themes come up. And you see that when people take this substance, they tend to all get the same kind of reaction. Their body responds to that substance by producing certain kinds of symptoms. And then what, you, what you've gathered is a symptom picture that now describes what that same substance will treat. So now a patient comes in and they say, I have this kind of headache, I have this kind of sweating, I cra- I'm craving these kinds of foods, I get this kind of pain in my shoulder and I get these kinds of dreams and I have these kinds of feelings, then you say, oh, that matches the symptom picture of of this known remedy. And if you then give that person the remedy, what you see is an amelioration, not just a palliation. You don't just see that those symptoms um, are masked. You actually see that those symptoms go away. What happens if it wasn't the right remedy? So somebody comes in with a totally different set of symptoms and you give them that remedy, typically you'll see no change whatsoever. If you gave enough of that remedy frequently over time, then you might also get this, in addition to the symptoms they already came in with, you might also get the addition of the symptoms that belong with the remedy picture of that remedy. So you would, you could, in, a, in essence, in the short term, induce their body to react in a way that gives them more symptoms. But typically, there would be no response at all. My experience with homeopathy, not so much as a homeopath, but growing up in a household where in Germany, both my father and my grandfather used homeopathic remedies frequently as part of their Western medical practice. It's uh, quite common still in uh, Europe um, that homeopathy has this 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 feature where if you are has a very narrow bandwidth, let's call it that way. So think of um, the, you know, like a bandwidth of zero to 10,000 hertz and or hundreds of thousands of hertz. And uh, every substance in nature has a particular frequency. So if you match the frequency of the disease with the frequency of just the right substance, whether it's a mineral or an animal or a plant, um, substance, then there are some pretty potent and immediate results can come from that. But if you're outside of that frequency window, you might not have any side effects, but you might feel absolutely nothing. And so sometimes right. even very experienced uh, homeopaths, it can take them quite some time to find out exactly what the remedy is that you might be needing because there are so many substances out there that are potentially correct. Right. You're really looking to see what is the essence of the pattern that this person is holding in their being. And there's an understanding that's different from what we typically find as the approach in Western medicine. In homeopathy, you're assuming 
or you have through your experience the awareness that all of these different symptoms that a person is manifesting that may seem very disparate. Um, they might have dreams of snakes and a fear of snakes, and they might have a symptom where they really feel worse and worse and worse until there's some kind of re- flow, like women um, feeling much worse until the first day of their menstrual cycle and then suddenly feeling much better. And they might be really jealous, and they might crave... Um, certain kinds of foods, and you think these things don't belong to each other, but you realize that there's a remedy made actually from a venom of the snake lachesis, and that all of these symptoms belong to that remedy picture. And that if the person has this set of symptoms and you give them that remedy, then their body receives the information and responds by actually being able to, in the ideal situation, release that pattern and get back to a state of more flow and more freedom and more creativity. Yeah, and the point that Lori and I are trying to make to you, our listeners, is that um, holistic medicine does have a major place uh, in our modern life because on one side... If you use it wrongly, while it's, of course, not desired, it uh, is almost never uh, to the the degree where it would uh, kill anybody. So side effects are relatively low, and the most common side effect is that the patient says, something is not working, or I don't feel it's working. When the potential with the right kind of pattern diagnosis, either in homeopathy or Chinese medicine or another modality that is individually based is tremendous, where uh, very uh, potent breakthroughs can be achieved on the body, mind, and spirit levels. And um, that it also, at a time when we're destroying our environment because we don't trust uh, the signs that the uh, environment is giving us, it really behooves us to embrace wisdom of the ancients that knew how complex nature is and then to embrace the fullness and the wholeness and the complexity of the world that we live in. Um, And so in Chinese medicine, rather than focusing on one ingredient and then extracting from that the so-called active ingredient of one plant, you're actually using the whole plants and using lots of them together, like at least four. And um, very often, routinely, I use in my clinic 12. And some formulas have even up to 75 different ingredients. And uh, it is... That is the original meaning of alchemy, is the science of knowing how not only what things do by themselves, but how they behave and you fuse them in a prescription. Right, and a key part of that, Heiner, is that the essence of the treatment is the individual's body recognizing something that stimulates it to react. So it's deeply based in the faith in the ability of the individual to heal themselves. So a lot of the focus, isn't it, on removing the obstacles to 
the body healing itself. And then finding that's the need for the expert, for the person who's really well trained, is to know, okay, how do I how do I assess this person's symptoms and decide on exactly the right prescription that isn't going to fix them in a certain way. It's not designed to go in and change their molecular structure so much as it's it's designed to be just the right piece of information to let their body know how to respond, how to react, and how to kick in gear to be able to heal whatever's happening. Absolutely. And so in a nutshell, I think we want to send out three different messages. One of them is to uh, potential uh, people who are suffering from a disease, consider holistic medicine as a real alternative to uh, regular modern medicine and uh, be careful to check yourself into a hospital for just a little thing because uh, the dangers might be rather great. And then secondly, if you consider to study alternative medicine and enter into that field, um, go for it. Don't be afraid that this is a fringe profession. It is actually, in most ancient cultures, the profession of medicine at that time, of course, um, exclusively holistically oriented medicine is that the most intelligent people of that time would enter into that field because proper pattern differentiation is an intellectually very stimulating feat and is not that easy. You really need to read a lot of the so-called classics and have a lot of clinical experience. So that kind of integration uh, takes some time. And it, I can tell you, uh, as somebody who was uh, slated to be in another profession first and then kind of mourning the loss of that because of possibly uh, not being part of the regular university environment and missing that intellectual discourse. I've never been in a profession that's been more intellectually rewarding and stimulating on every level than uh, Chinese medicine in my case. And last but not least, if you are a practitioner already uh, in holistic medicine, uh, Chinese medicine in particular, um, value the roots of your profession because the real need for our medicine nowadays is in this gap, in avoiding uh, these um, iatrogenic problems through individual diagnosis. And if we go down the road of so-called East-West integration medicine, where we basically exchange our philosophical parameters and foundations for illness-based uh, medicine or have you know, basically um, very few kind of categories available for us, we are definitely throwing out the baby with the bathwater and getting rid of what makes us strong and buying into a system that is fraught with many problems. And um, why do that? And I would also like to add um, that it's not about saying that the Western approach to medicine is not valuable. It's about saying there's a bigger perspective out there and we can optimize the benefits of the brilliant Western scientific advances in medicine if we can understand them and see them within this framework of a bigger picture of 
the human system and the human body. In Chinese medicine, right, Heiner would say that yang precedes yin. If we can access that level of the yang and know how it affects the yin, then we'll be much more capable of being in the realm of prevention. However, if somebody has an acute bacterial meningitis and I don't have at my disposal the thing I need to treat that, I'm sure glad that the drugs are available in that moment. So it's, it's not about saying that that one system of medicine is wrong. It's about saying what's the biggest point of view we can have in understanding how the body responds and reacts and incorporating all this capacity into that model or into that understanding. Yeah, thanks, Laurie, for reining me in a little bit here. <laughs> it is, uh, of course, uh, not my intention to um, badmouth a system that's uh, culturally been around in our own environment for a long time, and that's done a lot to help me personally also uh, on several occasions uh, to regain health. It is, um, it is just the, in comparison, the modern medical model plays such a big role in our lives nowadays. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's this David versus Goliath type of thing. And it, we, we want to not create an opposition to Western medicine, which is, of course, is the main uh, model that is available in, in, in most people's mind, but is like, how, what can our medicine do to ameliorate some of the very obvious, now really very obvious and dangerous side effects of this medicine and um, um, maybe also influence Western medicine philosophically. And it looks like on some level that's already happening, maybe not because of the influence of holistic medicine, but because people in the regular medical field are feeling that there are huge uh, problems and liabilities that come with this iatrogenic disease issue. And uh, at least philosophically, um, Chinese medicine, many of the other wisdom tradition medicines have addressed this problem and seen this problem thousands of years ago. Why not take a look at what these people have to say? Right. And it, I think one of the very important things in, t in today's economies is also how do we want to be making decisions about where the resources go? There's, you know, so much money goes into some of these advances, and it would be much better utilized if we had a had a big picture that informed informed us about what is really necessary and what is really leading to the greater good. So I think that's all the time we have for today. Thanks, Heiner, for joining in this dis or leading this discussion. Um, Thank you. And we also, once again, want to encourage you to go to iTunes and make some comments. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on True Nature Radio. I'm Lori Regan. And I'm Heiner Furhoff. As always, if your interest is in peak to learn more about a career in natural medicine, go to the website of the National College of Natural Medicine, ncnm.edu. And if you're interested in watching lectures from some of our teachers in China, as well as from myself uh, about classical Chinese medicine, especially 
go to classicalchinesemedicine.org. Thank you very much, and see you next week. Music